You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Code of Conduct Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. God made me punch in accurate numbers. Yeah. My castle won't crumble. Nah. What I tackle will fumble. Yeah. I've been a leader when they ain't see it, but now my feet is up. According to me, royalty didn't end with King Tut. Nah. Crown on my head, clouds is at my legs. Yeah. Big says sky is the limit. I look down on the ledge. I push the bar like I'm opening a cell. Hands in my cookie jar, you won't come out with a single nail. You I need gone. all of mine. The weight of my shoulders won't fit on a scale. What's a king to a giant? What? Well, Goliath fell. Even if we playing chess, dog, this king can't be checked. I make all my moves on the board. I invented my step. Uh-huh. I'm a king, the blood of a ruler. I feel like Mansa Musa. Make your squad disappear like landing by the Bermuda. Triangle, look at it from my angle. I'm a king, the closest thing to being one of God's angels. Yeah. I'm a king. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I put in extra work that just can't be found. I took the sword out the stone, wasn't a thing. Shout out to Richard Rush, Look always in, in the building. I'm a king. Look me in my eyes cause I'm a king. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is the Code of Conduct with the King podcast. I am your host, Jay Spence the King. And listen, this is going to be an episode, okay? Before my man Ty gets in, this is going to be an episode. I got a couple guys joining me, but I just got to talk my talk for a minute. Did y'all see my... First of all, go Yanks. You know what I mean? Let's get it. But forget today. Did y'all Did y'all see Sunday? <laughs> did y'all see Sunday? I done already told everybody, look, they, they, done let the wrong, they done let the wrong team win in the wrong stadium on the wrong Sunday. Going into a bye week, they didn't want this to happen. I'm going to just tell you, they did not want this to happen. Is my, is my quarterback not the doggone MVP? Is he not? Is, is Josh Allen not the MVP? Tell, tell me right now, if Josh Allen ain't the MVP, who's the MVP in the league? And shout out to my man Brian Dayball, but I tell you what, even on that discussion, is Coach McDermott not the coach of the year? Is Brandon Bean not the GM of the year? Y'all got me messed up. I ain't even going. I'm going to bring my man Dwayne in real quick. Because because if I go if I go like this, I'm, I'm not going to bring him in on time. So I'm going to bring him in and we're going to talk together. We're going to talk that talk together. So my man Daniel was co-host. He's he's one half of the two goalies and one mic podcast. This brother got something going on that I feel really good about. And I'm happy to be able to talk to him. What is going on, Dwayne? Hey, man, thanks for uh, connecting with me. I appreciate you having me on your podcast. I'm a big fan. Man, thank you. I appreciate the time and I appreciate everything that you're doing. Before I bring up what you're doing, though, what about this doggone game Sunday, man? Like, like- oh, the bell. Oh, buddy. Um, listen, it's like anybody who was a doubter of Josh Allen or the Buffalo Bills before Sunday are no longer doubters, right? It's 
for for me, I I wasn't even honestly God, and I I full wholeheartedly mean this. I was more scared of Baltimore than I was the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I I I have so much faith in this defense. Seeing what they've been able to do with the depleted roster, uh, you know since the start of the season, essentially no Tredavious white and just see just the dominance on defense um, that they, they've had and what they did with Mark Andrews against Baltimore. I was more scared of Baltimore, but if anybody's been a doubter of Buffalo before then, they're no longer a doubter, not doubters now. And Josh Allen is legitimately the best player, not, not just best quarterback, but the best player in the league. And I don't think there's any doubt behind that anymore. You know what? You talking that talk. I might just sit back and let you host the doggone show. Buddy, Listen, like, Josh you have, you is want to killing, football. bro. I'm not just killing. a hockey guy, man. Listen, I have I have, just as much <laughs> I have a wall dedicated to the to the NHL, the Sabres. I have just as much memorabilia. Like, I remember exactly where I was when the Bills finally beat the Patriots. I remember the – I still feel those emotions. I still have that, that, that cover of Sports Illustrated framed in my dining room still to this day. Not still to this day, but – Man, trust me, buddy. I can go on and on and on about the Buffalo Bills. And uh, speaking of which, I'm going to be uh, in the Meadowlands for when they play the Jets uh, in a couple weeks. Nice. I was. I'm. I'm debating. I, I feel like I'm leaning more towards no, but I'm debating going to that game. But yeah, let, let's uh, real quick because I do. Before we talk about your event, that's the you know that's something that is going to be happening. That's going to be very very dope. It's going to be fun. I don't do the hockey's. I don't know much about the hockey's. So. I want to I want to talk real quick. Um, are the Sabres going to be worth it? Because I'm coming back to Buffalo and and me and a couple guys, a couple friends I got. We're supposed to be going to this game. Is, is it going to be worth it for me to go to that game that weekend? Which game are you going to? I, I, I don't even know who they play. Man, I'm, I'm the wrong the one. It's, it's the 29th, I believe. They play the That's Leafs the on the 31st. So I was going to suggest a game to go to a fun game. That'd be a fun one to go to. Um, I'll tell you this right now. It doesn't matter who they're playing, honest to God. I'm not going to sit here and tell people that they're a playoff team because I don't believe they're a playoff team. Um, But (laughs) the best analogy I can give you about the Buffalo Sabres this season, and I think you'll appreciate this, is for 17 years we would see that graphic for the Bills of the playoff layout, and the Bills would always be in the hunt. That's where the Sabres are this season. They are going to be in the hunt. They're going to be on the outside looking in but they are going to be contending and they're going to be making games interesting come the end of the season, come, come spring games are going to be interesting for this hockey team. I can promise you that under Don Granado and he's been the biggest key. Don Granado has been like the missing link. That this team hasn't had for almost a decade, just consistency uh, behind the bench and uh, you know, up in the press box with Kevin Adams. Um, I was a big skeptic when they, when they hired Kevin Adams, I thought he was just going to be a yes man just kind of doing what Terry and Kim tell him to do. Um, and there's just been so much turnover at coach and GM. I think before Jack, when the Jack Eichel was traded, I think he was on his fifth head coach in like six, six years, which is insane. Like you can't expect to have success with that type of turnover. We know as Bills fans, you can't have that type of success with so much turnover at head coach. You just can't like mm. it's, it's impossible in my opinion. So now that we have those two positions figured out, Uh, We have a good leadership core with Alex Tuck. Um, Dylan Cousins is a young leader on this team. Kyle Ocposo. um, You know, Rasmus Dahlin is emerging uh, as a leader as well. I know Dahlin. We have that leadership group intact. And that's the the second key. I know Dahlin. That's the only name. You said Dahlin. 
You I'm said sorry. Darlene. That's the only name I know. So I mean, Darlene. I appreciate you. We'll get to know <laughs> Alex Tuck because he's a big Bills fan. Alex Tuck is a huge Bills fan. He's from Buffalo, well, from the area, and uh, you know he's been at almost every single home Bills game he's been able to go to, starting the Shelton. And that's not some PR stunt where some, you'll you'll see Josh Allen at the games, and some people are pumped about it. It's like, oh look, Allen's uh, Allen's up there wearing an Alex Tuck jersey. You know, who, he's either there because he's a fan, or maybe he's doing it just to for the whole one Buffalo uh, theme, but Alex Tuck is true to the bone, a Buffalo guy. And mm-hmm. he comes to Bill's games because he's a Bill's fan. So, you know, know that name as well. If I were to suggest getting a Jersey, if you're not going to get down injury, go get an Alex Tuck Jersey. All right. All right. Well, look, let's talk about your, your event. You have something fun coming up for Buffalo people to do. It's a three on three charity tournament at Buffalo Riverworks, And you're going to be doing this December 9th through the 11th. Uh, let's talk real quick about it. And then, uh, you know, I'll get your, I mean, it's a bye week so I can't even get a good prediction from you for this week, but it's all good. Let's talk about this real quick and, uh, and, and see what's going on. Yeah. So um, this all started uh, actually, you know, back in the summer, um, I saw a parking lot that had just been paved. And, um, I remember back when I was a kid, like 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, as I, I said on Twitter, it's like, it would take me and my friends barely 24 hours to get a game going on that fresh pavement playing street hockey. You know what I mean? Like just like the good old days before video games and streaming and social media when kids were just so much more like inclined just to be outside and having fun. Not to say that doesn't happen today, but it's less likely, you know, like back then you would go down side streets. You couldn't look down a side street without seeing a street hockey game going. It's a fact. And those are few and far in between nowadays. So it, it started as that and it gained some momentum. And then, you know, May 14th happened. And I remember seeing your post uh, about Pearl. And it really, I'm a big philanthropist, man. Like, I love giving back. Anybody who knows me personally, that's, I would, I would rather much make an impact um, giving back rather than taking. Like, I, I am a very minimalist. I don't need a lot in life. I get more of a, of a thrill out of making somebody's life better. I I'm, I'm, uh, uh, with big brothers, big sisters, my, my first little, uh, just moved to Wisconsin, uh, you know, to a school and, and, uh, you know, I, I get a big thrill out of that and it makes me feel, you know, worthwhile, I guess. But when I saw your post about Pearl after May 14th, it really hit me to my core and just how, you know, how much you loved her. And it, I, I can just see, tell through your words, how, an amazing of a person she was just reading everybody else's stories. And I'm like, you know what? We've really built something here with that previous post. We have like a lot of people that want to do this. Let's try and see if we can take that momentum and turn it into something worthwhile. And that's how the Buffalo strong, like initiative, I guess you could say like Avengers initiative, the Buffalo strong initiative uh, came, uh, came to be born. And I, uh, I remember reaching out to you and you were, you know, you, I, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that you were a part of this and I would still like for you to be a part of this at some point, come even come the weekend of the tournament, if possible. Um, and it was for me, it, you know, it started off with so much momentum and then it kind of de- simmered down a little bit because of some issues with uh, getting some authorizations for the areas we were going to use. So because of that, we had to push it back to December and turn it into an ice hockey tournament. So December 9th through the 11th, we will be uh, hosting, it's called the Buffalo Strong uh, Ice Hockey Tournament. Um, and all of the proceeds, of course, after cost to, you know, to pay for the ice time and everything is going directly to the families affected from uh, the uh, the tragedy on May 14th. And um, 
I, uh, I, I'm really putting like all my heart, my effort into this. Uh, there's Mike Carr as well. Joshua Dinelli. They're with, uh, K, uh, KIA, the Buffalo Spartans, Spartan Warriors. They're, uh, in the Buffalo Sabres Warriors programs, which are veterans teams. Uh, KIA is the, uh, they do a Memorial March for veterans. They have our back and they're helping support us. And, um, pure hockey is also a part of this. The, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Bat Brew House Draft Room is a sponsor as well. And, you know, we're all very passionate about making this work. And anything, anybody, even if you don't play hockey and you feel compelled, because I know the Bills Mafia family, not just like, obviously I'm a Sabres guy, but, you know, we're, we're all family, you know, one Buffalo, right? So I hope that can people see this and they, they take that same passion you've seen uh, in the past with other initiatives that Bills Mafia, our family has has raised awareness about and take that same passion and bring it here. Um, and I can, like, we want to give these families, you know, so, a good Christmas, you know, before the holidays. And so trying to relieve that financial burden that the holidays bring. And I know there's nothing really that can really, you know, take away the pain that you and everyone else have felt. But if we can just try and relieve that financial burden that the holidays bring sometimes, that's kind of our main goal. And, you know, that's our goal. We're just going to, you know, and if you want to donate, um, it's KIA Memorial March.com. Um, and KIA stands for killed in action. Um, you know, you, you, you go to their website, you can scan that QR code right there. And, uh, you, you go to the, it's on the homepage. You see a tab that says it, there's no tab that specifies our tournament. It, you just go to the make a donation tab. You click there and under the comments, you type in uh, Buffalo strong hockey tournament donation. You can donate as much as you want. Um, and we're going to be making some, uh, some contests here going forward. I have some pretty cool stuff to give away for anybody who wants to donate. We'll choose some winners, um, some bill stuff, some saber stuff. Uh, okay. so I'm, I'm really hoping that, you know, you know, this word gets around and we can really make this a success because we have to obviously cover costs before we can even make the donations right. happen. Oh, sorry. No, no, you're good. You're good. It's just uh, so I, I actually I just want to say I posted it on Twitter just now. So everybody in the comments, everybody listening, if you um, aren't familiar, go to my Twitter page. You can absolutely find it. Dwayne, I want to thank you, man. I got to We got to uh, kind of tie it up, though. I have my man. I apologize. Waiting I on me. No, no, no. You're good. I know you're, <laughs> you're a podcaster like me, so we can we can get in and get going. So I want to get you back on when I have the, the maybe next week with the buy being this week. You know, maybe I Let's can get go. you on and we can kind of just talk more about it and talk just more. But um, I want to thank you from from my heart, from my family's perspective, uh, from the people I know who are also affected by this. Um, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, this year there's been some good there's been some good talk and some good um, attention to the east side of Buffalo and to different initiatives. But it's still not moving how we want things to move. So I yeah. just want to appreciate you for take for doing your part. Um, and, and like I said, we'll, we'll link and talk some more. Ladies mm -hmm. and gentlemen, the, the co-host of uh, two goalies, one Mike. Mr. Dwayne, thank you, yep. bro. Thank you. No problem. And uh, like I said, we love to come on with you again. Maybe even have you on two goalies, one mic sometime. Me and Greg Thompson talked about doing a crossover episode. Let's, Let's make it, it a big panel. Let's go. Yeah, make me look funny, though, because I don't know the hockeys, but we're going to do it. Oh, we're dude, don't trust me. I'll teach you about the <laughs> hockeys. I, I promise you. All right. Appreciate you, brother. You have a good night. Appreciate you, too, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest of the evening, I'm excited about this, just like I was excited about Dwayne. But this guy right here, he is about to be a bestseller, basically already is. He's <laughs> he's a great writer. He's a great author. Um, the, the book is out now, The Blood and Guts, How Titans Saved Football. I'm going to just tell you, it, it, 
I, this man needs no introduction. <laughs> he is Ty. What's going on, man? Jay Spence, the King. I feel I, we. I can have a beer on this podcast, right? I, I cracked yes, one open. Yes, I figured it was okay. Uh, man, it is good to finally be with you. We've kind of like lived in the Twitterverse, tweeting here, DMing there. We, we've talked about doing this, and and man, it's good to finally be with you in the virtual Will world. You- you know what? The the fact that I'm able to do it on the day that your book releases to me, this is great because um, we, like you said, we have talked about it so much and about several different things. But, but when it comes to this, let's first just let's let's get to that, man. Like I, I went and I I don't have the book yet. I did order it, so I I I wanted the hard copy. I'm not one of the electronic guys. I got I need to fill the paper, but. I've read up some of the notes and I read some of the things that, that people have said about the book and I'm very excited to hear about it. Let's get into it. So obviously it's how tight ends say football. Uh, just tell us about it a little bit. No doubt. You know, I think a lot of people are wondering like, why in the hell are you writing about tight ends? What about yeah. this position <laughs> is, is newsworthy, is new, is fresh, is different. And I think the impetus for, for diving into this project head first was, just being kind of an old soul, you know, when it comes to football, I think we all remember that moment of, uh, you know, being introduced to the game. Maybe it was a Pop Warner practice, maybe JV varsity where, you know, you're getting hit, you're doing the hitting, and you realize, is this for me or is this not for me? It's a violent game. There's an element of risk that comes with playing football that you just don't get, you know, meeting up buddies at the, meet up with some buddies at the park playing basketball or some pickup baseball or, you know, what have you. Football is just different, man. And yeah. I feel like watching the game today, you know, with all the flags and all the fines, and it's like the NFL is in this constant search to find a middle ground that doesn't exist when it comes to what's allowed, what's not allowed, when it comes to physicality. Mm-hmm. It drives me insane. Maybe I'm getting old. Maybe I'm getting old and bald and, you know, I'm just curmudgeon and I'm throwing the remote around. But I feel like football has changed these last few years. And the more I kind of thought about it, like, all right, well, where, where can it be saved? Where is it being preserved? And, and to me, it's the tight end because you have to do a little bit of everything. You have to block, you know, a 300-pound D end. You have to go run a route and make that catch on third and eight with everything on the line. And so I just started talking to tight ends, traveling around the country, you know, threw some drinks back with Jeremy Shockey, went down to Mike Dick's golf course, um, hung out with Tony Gonzalez down in Austin, Texas, talked Dang. to Gronk and Kittle and all these guys. And, and honestly – like the more that I hung out with these players and from, from different eras, the more this book became something different, um, something bigger than football. I, I, I think t- Tony Gonzalez put it best. Like the tight end position tells us everything we need to know about life. It makes you a better human to play the position. And I think to learn about it um, as we kind of find out from Mike Dicka all the way through to, to George Kittle chapter one through 50, you know, each chapter is, is basically a long form story. So um, it's, it's what I do, what I try to do at go long, what I did at bleach report, the Buffalo news, Milwaukee journal said, like sit down with a guy, get in his world, get to see what makes him tick and just go from there. And, and they all do kind of intertwine. And you do that well. And, um, like you're, you're able to bring stories to life, which is why I think most people in Buffalo who's familiar with your work, that's, that's why we're familiar with it because it, you know, you do a great job at like getting us to be able to see through the eyes of the person you're writing about. So with that being said, I, I don't want you to obviously give us the book because I want people to go buy it. But, um, if you can share like one of your favorite stories that maybe didn't make the book or one of the, one of your favorite stories in a condensed version that's in the book that we can look forward to reading. 
You know, and I, hey, I love telling people what's in the book. That, that's totally cool with me. We we want them to, you know, hit, hit purchase there on Amazon because yeah. it's, it's about 350 pages. So there's, there's a lot packed in here. Um, You know, obviously, in, in terms of the bills, it's, it's a little tough because there haven't been a lot of legendary tight ends that have come through Western New York, sadly. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe Dawson Knox changes that with, with, his, with his game. <laughs> he, he really could. He could go down as the best tight end that the team's had. Um, and actually had a Q&A with him up at the site. He's a phenomenal dude. I mean, just an incredible rise himself. But when it comes to the Bills, I'm thinking of a connection here. Uh, Mike Malarkey is a name that people are familiar with, right, for mm-hmm. better or worse here in Buffalo. Yeah. So Mike <laughs> – Mike Malarkey, uh, you know, in the book kind of does represent um, the old guard. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he he's an old school tight end that, you know, grew up in the trenches, that really believes a tight end is that exactly that tight to the line, like getting your hands dirty. He taught his players as a coach, you know, one final shove at the whistle, just give him one extra little shove. And th- there is something to that. That's important in, in football. I, I really, I really believe that. Like, there's a lot of good that comes to the way Mike Malarkey played, the way he coached. That's why we have a chapter on Mark Bruner, you know, an old school 90s tight end with the Pittsburgh Steelers who is not exactly going to be, you know, doing many crazy things in the past game. But Mike Malarkey also coached into the 2000s, in the 2010s, and the game evolved. The position evolved. He didn't necessarily want to evolve with the position, yeah. and it led no. to a <laughs> – we saw it here in Buffalo, right? Um, yeah. Man, speaking of the Steelers, I was at that game. And was it 05 when they, they beat uh, the Bills with the backups? Oh, brutal. brutal. You, didn't have to, you didn't have to bring that one up, man. You just didn't have oh, to do that. Yeah. That was, 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 you know what's interesting, though? They, I think they kept their offensive line in that game. So, you know, Willie Parker had some room to run. Uh, but the, the, I'd, I'd probably define this as, like, the climax <laughs> of the book. Like, Tony Gonzalez is doing his thing with the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, basketballifying the position. He's just you know, acrobatics down the field, you know, plucking footballs at top heads, just at these impossible angles. Um, he's unstoppable. I mean, really, it's there's no other way to put it. He's, he's shattering records, and he's just not winning. So eventually he wants out of Kansas City, gets traded to Atlanta. Tony Gonzalez is pretty jacked. Like, I'm going to Atlanta, a young quarterback in Matt Ryan. Michael Turner's my running back. Roddy White at wide receiver. And, oh, by the way, my coordinator was a tight end, Mike Malarkey. Like, he's thinking it's a perfect storm. And he, and he still has a lot of game left. You know, he, he did a phenomenal job of avoiding injuries, unlike like, Shockey and Gronk and these guys just bashing mm-hmm. everything in sight. Um, and the first day – and I'm sorry if I'm rambling on and on here, No, Jay, no. This is this is I promise. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> so, you know, day one with Mike Malarkey – Tony Gonzalez is he sits down to watch film with him and Malarkey is it's kind of gruff in his tone just you know per Tony Gonzalez and and and, and Mike Malarkey kind of confirms this this scene too you know he's you know kind of serious kind of strict pulls up the film and it's Mark Bruner um all these Steelers of old just kind of shortening necks as Tony Gonzalez put there's in the run game just just it's one block and play after another and he kind of lets clip after clip after clip play and tells Tony Gonzalez in so many words this is what a tight end is this is who you need to be for me Tony Gonzalez didn't really speak up at the time he's just thinking why in the hell did Atlanta just trade for me mm-hmm. and honestly Mike Malarkey's thinking why in the hell did we trade for Tony Gonzalez that's not the tight end he wanted in his offense mm-hmm. it was an arranged marriage that was doomed 
from the start. So they went at it. We have all the detail from, you know, after a practice when Malarkey's yeah. trying to show Tony Gonzalez how to block and, and trying to toughen him and all the tight ends up. And he's got like a backup D lineman and they're doing like one-on-one hitting drills, just matching each other, which you don't really see in the modern NFL, a, a little strange. And Tony eventually mm-hmm. says, F this, I'm out of here. Yeah. Um, and they, they stopped having him block power plays in the, in the run game. It, it got to, I mean, they were just, it was a bad fit. It was a bad marriage and it blew, and it blew up in pretty epic proportions when Tony Gonzalez was on catch number 999 for his career, one away from 1,000 in Tampa Bay, the last game of the season. Atlanta's not going to make the playoffs. They're, they're eight and seven. Tampa's not going to make the playoffs. And Tony is dead set certain to this day that Mike Malarkey was doing everything in his power to ice him out and just wasn't calling plays for him. So Tony Gonzalez is getting pissed off in the second half. They get to the last drive. They're, they're trying to ice out a win and just set up a field goal to, to, to win by 10. And they, they did call one play for Tony Gonzalez, but Matt Ryan was under pressure. Couldn't get the throw off. Matt Ryan's a young quarterback. He's not going to audible mm-hmm. to a dump off like, like he probably should have just to get him a thousand. So anyways, game ends. They win the game. They go in the locker room. Mike Malarkey's going around the room, shaking everybody's hand, congratulating them. Tony Gonzalez just getting, he's absolutely fuming. Mm-hmm. He wants a piece of Mike Malarkey. He comes up to Tony Gonzalez to shake his hand, and a fight almost breaks out, according to Gonzalez. Now, Malarkey refutes that. He says it it wasn't close to an all-out brawl, but in so many words said he was ready (laughs) to brawl himself if Tony wanted to take it to that level. So we'll just kind of cut it off right there. Buy the book. You'll get the full story of what happened next. Uh, But I talked to both sides. I got Tony Gonzalez, Mike Malarkey, and it was kind of like the tight end was put on trial that day like what what is the tight end going to become is it going to evolve into this this weapon that's going to change the sport or is it going to be you know in tight shortening necks kind of being a grit and grimer um it was uh it was a book it's a book full of stories like this and i I just can't thank everybody enough especially here in the hometown western new york for for purchasing and, and learning more about the game See, now I, I, I really can't wait to read it because that story, obviously, Buffalo fans have a feeling about Mike Malarkey. We, 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 we already do. But, I mean, one of the, if not the greatest, depending on who you talk to, the greatest tight end of all time, and you're stopping him from getting the big, you know, like that's just, that's wild to me, man. Like, and the way the game has evolved today, I kind of wanted to, I don't know if this is part of your book or not, but um, I wanted your opinion on, now I feel like a lot for, you have some guys who block still very well, but it seems like now teams are looking for guys who are almost like great wide receiver threats, you know, like the Darren Wallers of the world. To me, uh, he does some things very well as a tight end, but he looks like a receiver. Then you look at um, down in Atlanta, we, we, you know, they, they drafted probably, I mean, you could line them up anywhere, but again, like the position is evolving again. Um, So based on your studies and the conversations you've had, um, what do you think is the biggest change in what we see now with tight ends versus the, some of the stories that you're, you're talking about in your book? Yes. I mean, in, in 08, 09, 2010, there, there was still some reluctance from a Mike Malarkey and, and he's not alone in, in coaches to evolve, to, to kind of wrap your arms around this, this tight end who, yeah, he has a basketball pass, but that's good. He, he's going to you know leap over your safety, leap over your linebacker. He's going to do something crazy down the field. I think in terms of just coaches in the NFL putting their ego aside and, and realizing this is something you should covet. This is something you should want, you know, from Tony Gonzalez to 
Antonio Gates getting a shot. I mean, he doesn't even play college football. He's a basketball player at Kent State. You know, we have the backstory on how he got his shot with San Diego to Jimmy Graham, whose story is just unbelievable. I, I can't wait for people to see where he comes from. Growing up basically as an orphan, his mom didn't even want him. Way tougher right. than anybody realizes. And to throw another ex-Bills coach out there, Greg Williams is a riot. We talked at length for this. But him and Jimmy would go at it in practice. And, you know, a lot of F you this, F you that. You know, when they went offense versus defense, one versus one. I mean, Jimmy would just take the football and chuck it at Greg Williams' head. <laughs> so, <laughs> Greg was, Williams, yeah. Yeah, you you mentioned two coaches there that Bills fans just aren't aren't too fond of, but but yeah, he was he was a tough guy to to. I'm sure it was it, you could tell he was tough to communicate with as a player. That's just and that sucks. But you know what? It was all in kind of good fun. I mean, Greg loved it. Like he wanted that energy okay. and that that passion, and he wanted his players fighting, and that's what Jimmy Graham had. But he was a basketball player. I think more teams right. just kind of realize. Look, you can be a tough SOB and have that basketball pass and be athletic down the field. And so that's absolutely where it's going. You're right. Kyle Pitts is the one that's going to take this position into a totally new realm because of the matchup nightmare he poses. Mm -hmm. And look, I think you can still learn to block. I mean, you can still develop that part of your game. I was just talking to the Falcons uh, tight ends coach Saturday, and he said, look, Kyle's about 250. He's bigger than people think, and he's a willing blocker. So if you're willing, if you want to do it, um, you can you can get better at it, and I think that will be the case for him. In terms of finding just somebody who does it all out of college, that that's going to be almost impossible. I don't know if mm-hmm. there's another George Kittle that's going to come along because colleges don't just don't ask tight ends to do that and be prolific right. in the passing game. It's it it, it is kind of um, you know a unicorn at this point. That, that's why Kittle gets his just due in this book because very rarely is there a player who is going to absolutely just kick your ass and, you know, plant your face in the dirt 10 yards downfield and go lose for a 70-yard touchdown. So mm-hmm. if, if that player exists, look out. But I think it is going this athletic direction that you reference. Well, you know what, and that's not to keep going back to Buffalo, but I think that's why we're just now really starting to see Dawson Knox be this um, – very you know he's he's developed now into a weapon in several ways because they just didn't use him that way you know at Ole Miss they just didn't use him as a receiver I think he had I I think one year he only had like three receptions or something weird and but now you see he's one of those targets that Josh loves to to go to so I agree with you I don't think we're going to get somebody right out of college that's going to be well I don't want to say we won't because these guys every year it seems like guys coming out of college for any position now are doing things that I just wouldn't imagine rookies doing. So it's insane to think about. You made a really good point there too. I mean, the relationship with Josh Allen is, is so important. I mean, that is such a theme that came up again and again with the, the best of the best at tight end where, you know, Dallas Clark is like best friends with Peyton Manning. They're, they're, they're pulling these hilarious pranks on teammates off the field. Like during training camp, they used to set a big garbage bin, up, fill it up halfway with water, set it up against a guy's door, knock on the door and, and hope he opens it and it just, you know, spills all over their stuff. So they're having fun in that regard. But then on the field, you know, in, in the dog days of summer, they're perfecting like one route 25 times. They're not going up the route tree, working on a little bit of everything. They, they want to just drill down. All right, here's exactly how I want this seam route to be run. And, and to the centimeter, to the inch, exactly how it needs to be. So when you get in that playoff moment, like we saw with Manning and Clark time and time again, it's, it's poetry in motion. 
And um, I think that was the case with Fouts and Kellen Winslow. Granted, they, they went at it. They were at each other's, each other's throats, you know, when they played together. Um, you know, gosh, right down the list, Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady. We all think Rob is, is this Neanderthal, right, with a club in one <laughs> hand and not many brain cells at work. The dude is smart. I mean, he is, he's book smart, but he's unbelievably football smart to get on Tom Brady's level. So they put in that work. Josh Allen and Dawson Knox may have something working where I I think that, you know, that's kind of a lofty goal to get to a Brady Gronk level. But I think over time, we're going to see Dawson Knox just continue to to improve because a a tight end just always happens to be a quarterback's best friend. Mm hmm. Yeah. And, and and you mentioned Gronk. I agree. I think I, I know it's fun to make fun of him and it's fun because he goes out and parties and all that stuff. But no, Gronk, man, on top of him being a phenomenal physical talent, the guy was on the same page with Tom Brady, like you mentioned. He he was he was phenomenal, but he was scary. And I think that's that's maybe the reason why so many of us like to make fun of him, because we were scared of him when he was in the league. Uh, but let me ask you this one, one last thing about the book. Um, so. In doing this, I know obviously Mike Dicka and, um, you know, like we talked about Tony Gonzalez and Rob Gronkowski and I mentioned Shannon Sharp on Twitter when we talked the other day. And, uh, you know, there's a list, Vernon Davis and all these different guys, Ozzy, you know, Ozzy News. You, you could go down a list. In your in your opinion now, and I don't know if you share this in the book, but who would you say would be the king of kings when it comes to uh, the tight end position? Boy, you know, every era is, is so different. Um because the game, the game just constantly changes, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the players trying to tackle Mike Dicka, and granted, Dicka and John Mackey were you know, freak shows. I mean, to, to yeah. catch a ball and just like ram through six, seven, eight guys, uh, especially in a world where there were no laws and rules and you could just maim a tight end. I mean, Ray Nitschke is clotheslining Mike Dicka across the middle of the field. They're, <laughs> Dicka tells a story like they're outside of a restaurant in Milwaukee and they, they a brawl almost breaks out. It's, it's different times, so I'm not saying like I don't want to poo-poo that era at all. Because mm-hmm. the older I get, the more respect I have for football in the '60s. But on these highlights, you look—I mean, some of these guys trying to tackle Dicka. I mean, they—they they look like me. They look like you know, gotcha. bunch of bunch of white guys that might be you know selling you milk during the week or you know <laughs> shoemakers on the side. I don't. It's it's not exactly you know a linebacker of today. You know who can run a four-three. And bench press, yeah. you know, 30, 35 reps. That, that that specimen did not exist in the 60s. So that's why I, call, I come back to Rob Gronkowski. I mean, he played okay. with a level of just, just beautiful belligerence where anything in his <laughs> path was going to be obliterated. And it was in the run game. It happened in the pass game. He had a hell of a lot of fun doing it. You know, I think when I say the tight ends save football, it's not just X's and O's and, and the violence that we love. It's it's having fun in a game. It's it's authenticity. It's, you know, Rob Gronkowski just having the time of his life at a party with his brothers and, you know, drop dropping him on his head when he after he broke his arm. It, he just did whatever he wanted to. When he played for Bill Belichick and the Patriots, when you know, we're, we're all accustomed to thinking they're a bunch of robots that just – follow like that do your job mantra and you know they can't think for themselves they can't act for themselves they're basically handed a sheet of paper and told what to say and how to say it that's the stuff I hate when it comes to pro football I mean my god let's not act like these are trade secrets from Russia it's a damn game have some fun it's entertainment yeah Gronk understood that and to do what he did with the Patriots I think was so important because 
you know, when the Patriots win and these, these assistant coaches think, oh, I got to be like Belichick and just kind of kind of be an asshole publicly, privately. It's my yeah. way or the highway. They go. What, what happens? They go to other teams. They lose. They get fired. Like that's not why you won. You won because the guy's a defensive genius and and there's accountability. There's discipline. There's all these great qualities that Belichick has. But I mean, Rob Gronkowski is proof you can be yourself and win. Ooh. So that spawns Travis Kelsey. That spawns George Kittle. That spawns all the tight ends of today who who you know, they're dominating and also they're having fun. And, and by God, I think that's so important for the NFL. It is. It is. And you know what? You, you talk about Gronk and even just that, that whole thing in New England. Because even when Tom Brady went down to, to Tampa Bay and Gronk came out of retirement and followed him down there, same thing. Now you got to see personality from Tom. You know, I, I felt like it was weird. It was like, I think I like Tom Brady. <laughs> you know, because yeah. his personality was completely different than what we've assumed that it was over the last two decades, you know. And no, I agree with you, man. Tight ends have absolutely, especially Grunt, when you mentioned him. Uh, we we didn't like him in Buffalo for, for all those years, but I, I tell you what, I enjoyed watching him. Outside of him playing the Bills, I enjoyed watching him. He was he was unstoppable, just unstoppable. Yeah, right, when he's not concussing Tredavious White, which, you know, there, yeah. there is a point in this Gronk chapter. I, I talked to his high school coach, and he, w- he would have to pull Rob from games. Like, he could see when his temper – was going to reach that point of, holy crap, he's going to hurt somebody. I, I got to protect Rob against himself. And then Bill Belichick would actually do that too. He just didn't do it in that Bills game, right? Obviously, that that's about as dirty as it gets when he did the Trey yep. White. Awful. And I, I think that is also a theme with these tight ends where it's like they all have this element of crazy to them, however you want to define mm-hmm. it. And for the most part, they can kind of go up to that line without crossing it. But every so often, yeah, Rob Gronkowski crosses the line. You know, Shannon Sharp crosses the line. Absolutely, all, they all do. Which is, I guess, if, if you're the Patriots, if you're a team that employs, you have you just have to kind of take that and try to work with it and harness it best you can. See, I, now my personal, but even before he became like this great TV personality, I've always loved Shannon Sharp because he, you could see his personality. Same way with Gronk, you could see it on the field you could see it you know when they do the mic'd up or when they did that first season of hard knocks or second season i believe but when they did the hard knocks and he was on there just cracking jokes that was the energy that made me fall in love with him man. and then obviously the play on the field but but yeah no i i, I can't wait to read the book ladies and gentlemen please 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 go buy it um it, it is is gonna be a book that you don't want to miss the bloods and guts how tight ends save football uh and it if you've read any of, of Ty's writing, then you know, it, it, is this going to be worth the purchase? So so go out and get it. It's on Amazon. It's everywhere books are available. Man, I, I can't wait to read it. Uh, hey, th- thanks so much, man. I, I really appreciate the kind words. And yeah, I think folks are going to love it. I, I'm genuinely excited to, for, pe- for people just to kind of hear the stories that I've been hearing from these guys over the past year. All right, well, let's move on. I don't want to get, I don't want to end up too quick. So let's let's move on to something a little more yeah. recent, or the book is recent as today. But I mean, um, I want to talk a little bit about. So you you actually have the pleasure for Bills fans as well. You host the Isaiah McKenzie or co-host the Isaiah McKenzie podcast with with Isaiah, and I think that that's awesome. The, the for the first the first reason I think it's awesome is because I think that we're lucky these days. Like, I'm not saying that Isaiah McKenzie is Michael Jordan, or I'm not saying he's Brett Favre well, for football, but you know, if 
could you imagine back in like the 90s, like after the flu game, Jordan, you know, the next day he does a podcast with Ty. You know, it's just like you, you get a firsthand view of like, you know, what his experience is. And now across the, the nation, we have um, a bunch of different guys. Jordan Poyer just announced that he's doing one. You have uh, in the NBA, you got guys. And now in Buffalo, again, we we have Isaiah McKenzie's show. And, and I think that it's, it's one of those things where, you know, as a fan, a fan base, we're able to get smarter every week and enjoy the guys on a different level. What's your experience like doing the show with him? How did this come into fruition? Like, just just tell me about it, man. I, I just yeah. think it's awesome. Dude, th- thanks so much for the kind words, because that, that's what we were shooting for with this Isaiah McKenzie show. It's, you know, I guess the idea for it, it kind of started back. I did a profile on Isaiah ahead of the AFC championship game against the Chiefs. And really got to know him and his background and, and where he comes from. I mean, that, he's so damn fun, you know, on social media and the stories he tells on the mm-hmm. show. Like, we tend to forget where he comes from in South Florida where, I mean, he's seen dead bodies on his doorstep. I mean, yeah. he, he told the story of a bullet grazing him. He felt the bullet grazed. I mean, he, he lived that thin line between life and death. I think it just gives him a perspective to to not take a sport, a game too seriously, to – to be as fun-loving as he is, to, to be such a great teammate, such a great friend to everybody in his orbit. So we kind of had – it was just great talking to him. It was just fun. And then that kind of grew into having him on a happy hour with our subscribers that go long. And, I mean, he's telling that prank that he, – he's telling the story of the prank he pulled on his grandmother, which, oh, my God, I, was, I still can't believe he did that. And when he played dead, like he, he's pretending to be dead and waits until, like, the cops show up. And everybody's at the house before he actually steps up and says, I'm alive as a little kid. I mean, that's diabolical stuff, Isaiah. Like, it's so and he, and he, he's been a jokester his entire life is what you're telling me. That's a crazy joke to play. Oh, I think he, God, he might have been nine years old when he did that. So, you know, got into before last season. And, you know, I just feel like the fans who are pouring their hard-earned money into this game, right, show up at airports and show up at stadiums and you know they, they deserve more than cliches at a podium you know whether it's in buffalo or elsewhere there's the nfl in general the nfl in general really wants centralized messaging here are the talking points here's what you got to hit on don't get out of line i mean isaiah tells a funny story where you know sean mcdermott with the whole team played clips of everybody kind of like saying the same thing one after another and isaiah said he's sitting there like this is a cult I'm like, I'm part of a culture. I can't do this. So he's a free thinker, which is just so appreciated in a game where there are many of them. Uh, I just thought it'd be fun. Like, let's just talk for an hour, you know, eight times a year uh, about the game, about life, you know, incorporate the fans. We opened it up for questions for about 20, 30 minutes every episode. Um, and, and it's just a hell of a lot of fun. I, I just think that the fans deserve uh, to know how, how this game really works, what it's really like to be a player in the NFL through the ups, through the downs. Mm-hmm. And look, Isaiah's honest. He, he doesn't hold back. And if, look, if he, he fumbles is. in a game, if something goes wrong like that Miami game, I ask him and he's honest about it. He doesn't. We talked about 13 seconds at length right after that game last season. So um, I, I think that in the end, the, the fans benefit for getting that, that perspective. And that's just the whole goal of it all. Yeah, no, you're you're 100 percent right. He's he's super honest and transparent about everything. He doesn't hold back. And and on top of that, his personality is is like is second to none. You know, like he's one of the, the funniest dudes. And, you know, I, I just love the whole team that Brandon Bean has built. Like the, the guys that are yeah. here, 
I feel like it's just a team of great guys. You know, there's been years in the past where it's like, <laughs> you know, like this guy doesn't quite quote unquote fit what we think is the culture here. I don't see any guy on the roster like that at all. And, and Isaiah McKenzie, shout out to him. Um, quick question for you about him. Since, you, you you know, next time you have a show with him, can we ask him about, because I, I really, I'm curious. What does he see him, obviously a wide receiver, but I feel like the way the team um, uses him. So special teams, obviously they've used him in special teams. He's had some some rough times in, in punt return at times. And then now they're using him in a kick return capacity. Um, but I, I feel like there's a lot of times where it feels like he's going to get more involved last year. They use him in the Patriots game and he was like, you know, like I'm here and then kind of wasn't in there again, you know, and it's, it just seems like it's an up and down with usage with him. Um, I, I want to know, like, I, I just, I don't know. I feel like he should be more dangerous to with this offense, but it just seems like they don't, they don't use him in that capacity. And I don't know if it's like depth. I don't know if it's that he's just not on it. Uh, I'm not going to put the somebody in the comments is like, ask him to stop dropping passes. I'm sure he, I'm sure he uh, will address that. Cause he's very, again, you're, he's very honest. He addressed the Miami game at length. And I thought it was great when he talked about, I was trying to get out of bounds. What do people think I was doing? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just want to know from his perspective, because I, I, I don't understand. I think he's a dangerous weapon, man. I've seen him in, in this off or in Brian Dable's offense in ways that like, yo, this guy could really, this guy could do it for us. Do you have a, a opinion or a perspective on that? Even obviously he's not here. Right. I mean, I, I'm with you after that New England game, or I guess leading up to that New England game, it always just kind of seemed like he was a, a Christmas ornament, right? He's just kind of jet sweeping around and, and kind of a decoy. And they, they tr- trying to get a linebacker to take a step that way to send somebody else the other way. And he, he had all the speed bottled up. It just wasn't really used much at all. And, I mean, granted, they were winning most of the season. Then, boom, what happens? Indy, he has the turnover. He's kind of painted the scapegoat out of that game. I mean, they couldn't tackle Jonathan Taylor. And Isaiah's the one who was, like, benched. And he was pretty honest about it on, on one of our shows. I mean, he it, it, that definitely hurts him, you know, mentally for a few days to kind of get over that. And he got back on the field thanks to COVID, right? I mean, if those receivers don't get COVID, he's not playing in Foxborough lights it up. Josh Allen goes to him again and again and again. And, you know, I, I guess to answer your question, I, I I think in theory, he he really is the slot receiver that's replacing Cole Beasley. I mean, in training camp, he was incredible, right? I mean, he was the star of training camp. Now that the games have begun, it's just, it, it's been a roller coaster, for being honest, right? There's been a lot of good. He has scored touchdowns, you know, in the red zone. Like, I mean, Josh missed him on Josh Allen missed him in Miami, right? He kind of dirted that throw. So maybe he's the hero of that game instead of the coat if the ball just gets to him. At the same time, the inconsistency is real. I mean, he'd, he'd sit here and be as honest as anybody about it, that that was a bad day for Isaiah McKenzie. Um, I, but he's had bad days before, and he's bounced back from those bad days. And, you know, as, as somebody who's been as, as critical of Sean McDermott as I've been, I give him a lot of credit for not pulling him. I really thought the head coach was just going to – get him out of there um, after those three mistakes. He didn't. I mean, he, he still played and I, he still believes in him. I, I don't think that Isaiah McKenzie is just going to, you know, fade off into the sunset post by, I mean, Khalil Shakir looks like a good player who has a role in this offense, but yeah. this is a pyrotechnic offense that needs four or five yeah. weapons unleashed in all directions. And I, I do think that Isaiah has a role. Like, is he going to be Cole Beasley getting, 100 t- targets? No, 
because Stephon Diggs might be the best receiver in football. Gabe Davis is a rising star. Dawson Knox just caught a game-winning touchdown. But all these guys, I mean, there's going to be plays when one of them's covered and Isaiah leaks free, and he just can't trip over himself in the end zone like he did in Kansas City. He's proven he can bounce back from these mistakes. He's done it in the past, and I would think he does. I hope so. You know, and so with all transparency, I've I've been critical of him in the past, like with the special team stuff. And I was a big fan of him in the offense, like I mentioned earlier. And I'm like, look, you put him in the offense. I think this guy is going to be incredible. I don't want him returning punts like this. So that, I was very clear with that. But I think I think the reason for me is um, when you when you look at guys like like Isaiah, it's like all the you just see all the potential. All, like in the world and then when it do- just doesn't happen I think the disappointment really like it sets in differently because you really want to believe that this guy is like exactly who the potential says he can be and man it just uh, I love Isaiah so <laughs> moving on from that too <laughs> moving on from that I do want to uh, get your opinion on on the game uh, I, at the top of the show normally I do a, a monologue but then I had Dwayne jump on so I didn't really get a chance to do it what what a hell of a game like what a game <laughs> You know, I, I, I this might sound like blasphemy, but I liked just from a objective consumer of the sport. Mm-hmm. I liked Sunday's game a hell of a lot more than that divisional playoff game, right? I, because it nothing came easy. I mean, both teams, yeah. both quarterbacks were trying to figure stuff out, and it was it was a grind for that the first three quarters really, and 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 both teams kind of playing chess, taking away each other's best players and. There, 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 there were some turnovers, but there weren't like blatant errors. There, there weren't just um, you know, blown coverages and mm-hmm. and just guys running free for sacks. I, I just feel like it was a quality football game, a good twenty-four to twenty game between the two best quarterbacks in football, the two best teams in football, and defenses that are a hell of a lot better than they looked in the playoffs last year. And Absolutely. I mean, Von. I, I guess the takeaway here is Von Miller. He, he was worth every penny in this game to just end three drives to win the game. It's he was the Mahomes stopper. He was paid to be in this regular season game. I mean, they paid him that money to do in the playoffs. This still doesn't really feel like a revenge. You know, they didn't avenge 13 seconds that 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 comes in January, but it was, it was a sweet win for the team. And, and Brandon Bean is is coming out of this looking like a genius because Von, Von Miller at his age, 33 going on 34, as a pass rusher that relies on agility and athleticism and speed, it, it's a huge gamble. And he's gambling on Von Miller, keeping his body in like peak physical form and knowing when to take his chances as a rusher and when to affect the game. He's been doing that all season. And you know what? I, I think also on top of that, just the, just having them in the building because Greg Rousseau, I mean, obviously players develop and they take a few years, but I don't know if he develops this same way this quickly like in a year you can just see such a huge difference from this time now in this season versus last year like Greg Rousseau you could you could see the physical attribute he's long and he, he man he's playing lights out man he's playing lights out and it's just fun to watch but but on offense uh or really not offense it's just I want to talk to quarterbacks for a moment man like have you ever it, they want to compare it to to Brady and Manning and they want to compare it to other great quarterback matchups I just don't know if I've ever now I'm biased cause it's Josh, but it's like, I just don't know if I've ever seen uh, two quarterbacks that have the ability to do the things that both these guys can do on this type of, I just, I, I don't know if I've ever seen it, man. Like yeah. Josh, 
have you like to your recollection have you ever what can you compare this to because i don't think you really can compare it to the brady man right i mean it's the best of our generation of this era you know i you know, I, th- I think I started this pod saying like I'm a I'm an old man trapped in a middle aged body. I still kind of like that. I mean, the '90s is my wheelhouse, man. That's when the NFL was at its peak. So, like, give me Favre, Steve Young, you know, Marino, Kelly. Like, I just felt like that was the golden age. It's hard for me to say like this is the best quarterback play I've ever seen. When the quarterbacks of the '90s, I mean, <laughs> they're getting dinged constantly. Hit constantly it, you can't touch quarterbacks today so if you're Josh on your Patrick Mahomes and you know you can dance around back there and make some magic I mean mentally that that's that's gonna lead to what we saw in the playoffs last year um but it's it's the best you know what, what comes to mind when I hear Alan Mahomes and we wrote about it at go long when, when I launched the new when I launched the website it's just wild that you know Terry Pagula the owner he knew what Patrick Mahomes was going to be before anybody you know that yeah. that fall way before Kuyper McShay were even thinking about this guy as a first round pick, let alone a future pro bowler, hall of famer. I, the owner of the Buffalo bills just saw something special in Patrick Mahomes. Like, I mean, that just says a lot about his football intellect, at least in this case. And I think it also says even more that he didn't go full Jerry Jones and tell the bills and Whaley and Monus, my pod co-host and Sean McDermott, who had the final say, because I mean, Whaley and Monas were fired the next day after this draft. Right, it says a lot right. about the owner to not just step in and say, give me my guy. I want Mahomes. He, he kind of let Sean do his thing. And if you're going to have a consolation prize, it might as well be one the next year who and you can at least have that argument now might even be better than Patrick Mahomes. I, I can't get there yet because you got to do it in the playoffs. Mahomes yeah. has a Super Bowl ring. Like we, he's beat Josh Allen twice in the playoffs. So, that that's still a leap, but it's a conversation now, which is crazy. Yeah. So think think things worked out pretty well for Buffalo. So th- with that being the backdrop to everything, it it just makes it fun as hell to see these guys compete, and, and we're gonna see it again and again. It's incredible, man. It's incredible, and and you're right. Like Josh, um, it's a conversation. I think it's a conversation that a lot of people in Buffalo just don't want to have. And they just want to say that Josh is better, but I agree. I think, I think when you look at physical attributes, you can say, yeah, Josh can jump and run in ways that Patrick Mahomes can't, but Patrick Mahomes has shown so far that he can lead his team in ways that Josh hasn't. I'm not saying that he can't, he just hasn't, we have, we don't have a Super Bowl, and I'm praying that this is the year, but we just don't have it yet. You know, but but man, it's it's, it's absolutely fun to watch. Uh, Stefan Diggs and Gabriel Davis, like you mentioned, Gabriel Davis is a, is a rising star. And I, it, Josh said over the summer, I don't look at Davis as a, a wide receiver too. He's a one B to, to Stefan Diggs, and you can absolutely see it, man. He throws to both of those guys with a level of comfort and confidence that you know Baker Mayfield wish he had. You know, like he just wishes, and it's beautiful to watch, man. So look. We're going to get out of here soon. We have another show coming up. Last night typically is the John Fina or it's the off tackle with John Fina with my man, Joe Miller. They couldn't do it because they were at the KC game. So they were traveling. So make sure I cut off on time here. So before I do, uh, I didn't even get to talk about go long. I'm I'm tripping here. I'm sorry, but uh, (laughs) you're good. No, you've been showering me with love, Jake. Come on now. more, More than enough kindness from you. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know what? I really think, and so everybody, and most people in here know me, and they they obviously follow, I would think, and follow me on Twitter, and you follow me on we follow each other. I've never had any any negative interaction besides like our little Benny 
I don't even want to call that a Benny. I was going to say, we got to end with Benny the Butcher. <laughs> we got to talk oh, about how the we bleed. Oh, I didn't think about that at first. I didn't think about it till just now. That was the only time that I was like, what is Ty doing? But no, dude, you know, and we talked about that privately. But, you know, it, for me, it was just I was coming from a perspective that like, look, Benny, like you talked about Isaiah McKenzie. Benny comes from a neighborhood that I'm very familiar with. So to see him rise to the place where the Bills are like, yo, let's put this guy on. Let's have him do the yeah. remix to the song. It was like, no hate to Benny. Like, I don't <laughs> want any hate to Benny. And, and I love the professor as well. To me, it was like, it should be both. I just didn't want to put yeah. one of them against each other in that sense. I mean, but- I'm, I'm a shit stirrer sometimes. I'll admit, <laughs> I like being a contrarian. And I, don't, I haven't listened. And I like rap. I really do. I just I haven't really listened to Benny the Butcher, and I saw the, the 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 Mafia remake, and I guess that was on my mind at the time. I'm like, eh, I don't yeah. know. I thought it was okay, and it just seemed like a really good opportunity to to piss people like you off, and I I took yeah, it. You I, did what it. can you I say? Did I did, and and and, and it stirred. What kind of gets lost on Twitter though is uh, <laughs> there's somebody says I was Terrible. pissed at time. I can't lie. Yeah. It's, you can't like you can't get the hint of like uh, sarcasm on Twitter. Like I really don't give a shit either way about about Benny the Butcher. I I don't. I mean I haven't listened to his music. He might be amazing. I probably should give him a shot. So that'll be my homework after this show. But um, it was good to kind of whack away at the hornet's nest on Twitter for a few days. Yeah, no, you got us wrong. You got us wrong up. You did. You did. <laughs> but hey, let everybody know where they can find. Um, obviously, first, uh, shout your book out again, where they can buy it. Um, shout out your website and anything else that you have coming up. Any good content that, that we should be plugged in for. Hey, I appreciate the opportunity, man. Uh, yeah, the blood and guts. It's out now so you can get it, you know, right in person. You know, I'm gonna go to Barnes and Noble on McKinley. That's an option. And if you're like, you know, the most people right on Amazon is probably the best way to go. So uh, the Kindle's out, the hardcover, the audiobook. The audiobook, I've kind of gotten into Audible myself, and nobody wants to hear this voice for 12, 13 hours. So rest <laughs> assured, you don't have to. There's a much better voice. His name's Alan Carson that narrated the book. It's awesome. He's got a very blood and gutsy voice to him. Uh, so that's an option as well. And, and yeah, go along, td.com. Always welcome uh, your subscription. You know, you don't, you don't have to pay right away. Hop on the free list for a while. Get a sense for go long, and you can always upgrade down the road. So um, that's always there. The Isaiah Show. I've got the podcast with Jim Monas, uh, mm-hmm. who was you know Doug Whaley's former right hand man, and he's always got some wild stories to share. And yeah, and yeah, we're, we're staying busy, man. Yeah, Jim absolutely. You know Jim, right? Yeah. We've talked to Jim. Yeah. He came on the code of conduct a couple of times, had a great, great conversation. I might have to reach out to him again. Great guy. So uh, shout out yeah. to Jim and Doug. Honestly, shout out to Doug. He um, I know, again, Bills fans have certain feelings, but you know what? He had a good eye for talent. I think if he would have I think if he didn't miss on quarterback, there would be a completely different conversation about Doug Willie. And that's just the way I, I see it. I could be wrong. Don't beat me up in the comments, guys. But I just I really feel like if, if he would have hit on a quarterback, I think we would have a different conversation. But ladies and gentlemen, you've just tuned into a great show where we got a lot of good information about tight ends and football in general. Ty, thank you so much, man. I I, I can't wait. We got to do this again sometime. 100%, man. Did you just say the word and we got to have you on our podcast too. Let's do a little home and home. Let's do it. Let's do it. So ladies and gentlemen, y'all know how I do it here. Y'all love each other. Take care of each other and live in peace. And as always, stay positive. Test negative. Go Bills. Code of conduct. <laughs> 